You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this top three Thursday here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week covering your New Orleans Saints. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliability, prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. For our top three Thursday, we're actually going to do two lists today. We've talked a bit about the best late round Saints draft selections in the Sean Payton era, but let's talk about the mid-round guys, the second, third, and fourth rounders that build a team who are the best three mid-round Saints draft selections in the Sean Payton era. We're going to do one list before Jeff Ireland and one list after he joined because otherwise post-2015 could potentially dominate the list. But first, sound the alarms, raise the flags, man the harpoons. The Saints have interest in an LSU linebacker. Let's talk about Jabril Cox and what he could bring to New Orleans and acknowledge a couple more second round linebackers to keep an eye on. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson NOLA on Twitter, deputy brand manager over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. those great LSU linebackers of the past decade, Quan Alexander, who the Saints are now trying to replace. New Orleans is in the market for a linebacker who can run, and they have been in touch with Jabril Cox. No, they're definitely really interested. Uh, I've uh, been on multiple Zoom calls with them. Uh, they said they'll be down there for my uh, pro day uh, when I have it on the 26th, so the interest is there with them. That's our friend Doug Mouton of WWL with his interview with Jabril Cox on WWL TV. Really good stuff to hear that the Saints interested in former LSU linebacker Jabril Cox here. I I love hearing this and uh, I'm a big fan of this match. And you heard one of the correlations that Doug made when it came to why the Saints might have some interest in, in, in Cox here. It's that they're the success that they saw from a former LSU linebacker in Quan Alexander, who is usually a linebacker that wouldn't have really made sense for the Saints. If you look at prototypes and the type of players that they've looked at before, Quan Alexander, six foot one, 227 pounds, many would believe that for the Saints, that would be, and I think I agree with this, that would be below the threshold in a couple of different areas. But when you look at Jabril Cox, six foot four, 231, he's a little bit more fit for sort of being right in between what the Saints usual prototype is, which is a six foot three, six foot, yeah, I would say six foot three, six foot two, 240, 250 pound linebacker. Now, all of a sudden you have Jabril Cox who has the height and then is kind of right in the middle in terms of where Quan Alexander was in terms of his size with weight. And then of course, the sort of upper uh, side of that spectrum, right? When you look at the size in terms of weight of their usual linebackers, you think about a guy like let's say, Demario Davis, for instance, who plays in coverage, who's a good run supporter, all of the things that you expect from a Saints linebacker, but stands at six foot two, 248 pounds. So, you know, you look at Jabril Cox and he sort of splits the difference in between what you're used to seeing in New Orleans versus what you saw very successfully in New Orleans partnering with a guy like Demario Davis in Quan Alexander. Now, in terms of 
questions about Jabril Cox and how he does in coverage. Last year, after he transferred to LSU from North Dakota State University, the same school that might yield two other first rounders, uh, being Trey Lance, of course, and then Dylan Raddins, Jabril Cox played 352 coverage snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, at LSU against SEC competition and makes him the NFL draft linebacker five with 41 targets, but zero touchdowns allowed, three interceptions, and no penalties against him for the entire season as well. And that was in a struggling defense to open up the year. We all remember all of the question marks that quickly came out about the reunion with uh, Bo Pelini and everything that came there because the defense was so atrocious. But you saw Jabril Cox be sort of a standout sort of shining star amongst the rest of that, just like guys like Elias Ricks and Derek Stingley when he was healthy, all those other things. So, um, you know, you look at what it is that Jabril Cox brings. He gives you coverage. He gives you tenacity. He gives you somebody that can be effective in the run game. We've seen all of it, both at his NDSU level where he dominated the field, as well as at the SEC level where he was a part of a unit that was struggling, but able to stand out and really play himself into a range where I don't know that he's necessarily a first rounder, but he's certainly a first or second rounder. I think second round feels more likely in terms of where Jabril Cox ends up, but we'll have to see exactly how his pro day goes because he has a little bit of an advantage here. He doesn't have his pro day until the 26th with the NFL draft beginning on the 29th. So if he goes out there and performs very well in terms of his numbers and his measurements and everything, then all of a sudden he has a little bit of recency bias that could help him out and raise his draft stock a little bit. It's actually, you know, with his agent, whoever his agent is, they're doing a really, really good job in terms of making sure that that's the case, because that could be something that actually plays right into his hand over some of the other second round linebackers that could be out there. But the Saints with pick number 28, pick number 60, might have to move up into the second round if he doesn't go in the first, or if he elevates his status enough with his pro day numbers, you just grab him in the first because you know he's going to be gone early second and you're okay with that selection if he's somebody that you're actually very interested in and if he's the guy. I'd be a little bit more comfortable maybe going with him in the second round, sort of for the same reasons that I was kind of lukewarm on Patrick Queen with the one year of production at the right level, right? We didn't really get to see Patrick Queen get into a starting role until his final season. Now with Jabril Cox, we've seen him in a starting role over the course of his career, but not at a starting role against viable competition. I mean, not say viable competition, but SEC competition until his final season. So if you want to trade up into the second round a little bit further to go ahead and grab him, that feels like it makes the most sense to me. But again, we should wait and see what his pro day numbers are going to look like because they could potentially help to aid his uh, his draft stock quite a bit. And we've seen that with a couple of other second round linebackers as well. Jamin, uh, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky has played himself and tested himself in the first round consideration, as now has Baron Browning, the coverage linebacker or really kind of do-it-all linebacker from Ohio State that I'm also pretty high on. He ended up testing with an RAS score of 9.98, fifth best out of 2,000 linebackers categorized by Kentley Plot at MathBomb on Twitter. So pretty great stuff to see all of these linebackers from the second round start to rise from the crop here, which is a really, really great sign for the New Orleans Saints who have a big need at that linebacker position next to Demario Davis. And if they plan to try to address that need in the draft, They have a lot of options to do so in the first round or even now at this point outside of it. Hoping to be able to bring you more of that interview from WWL as an exclusive here on Locked on Saints either later on on Friday's episode or 
uh, into next week. I'll keep you updated on how all of that goes. But as we roll on with today's episode, it is Top 3 Thursday. We got two Top 3 Thursday lists today. We'll start with our pre-Jeff Ireland Top 3 New Orleans Saints mid-round selections. Then we'll go post-Jeff Ireland to close it out. Where do guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas rank on this list? As well as where do guys like Teron Armstead and Carl Nix as well rank on the list moving forward? We'll talk about all of them here in just a moment as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network your team every day. And as always, want to let you know to go and check out our good friends over at rockauto.com. You heard that they presented the show today. They are a huge, huge supporter of the show, and we are a huge supporter of them. And I personally am a huge supporter of them as well. So go and check them out, rockauto.com. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership than what you could be paying over at rockauto.com from the comfort of your own home? You don't even have to get up and go to the store or anything like that. You can just go online, check out the website, rockauto.com, put in your make, your model, and the part that you need, and get everything taken care of for you. And then you have everything shipped straight to your door. Nothing to worry about in terms of going out or having to pay too much money or having to deal with any of those upsells because you're not a wholesale buyer or anything like that. Everybody pays the same price, professional or do-it-yourself. Just head over to rockauto.com today. Don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you in their How'd You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, y'all, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And a big question today, did the NCAA rule change change the landscape for college recruiting? If you want to hear more on that, make sure you check out the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. As we continue on with today's episode, we wanted to go ahead and jump into our top three Thursday, our first of two list on today's episode as we look at the Saints mid-round draft success in the Sean Payton era. And I thought it would only be reasonable and only make a, a the most sense if we broke this down into two different lists. Because in 2015, Jeff Ireland became the then, I believe it was director of college personnel. And then that has since shifted to the assistant general manager of college personnel position. But once he started, these draft classes took off. And then now out of the 37 uh, draft picks that have been selected in the Jeff Ireland era, if you will, only six of those players are currently not in the NFL, and five of them were from the 2015 season, and mostly having to do with injuries. If you look at guys like Daniel Lasco and uh, Haley Kakaha, Davis Tull, Marcus Murphy, Damian Swan, like a lot of those guys had the injuries that took place during their early years that ended up you know, making it tough for them to hang around in the league, and understandably so, but that draft, those draft classes are amongst some of the best in the NFL, including the one that we just talked about a few days ago, the 2017 draft class, which Pro Football Focus just named the best NFL draft class since 2015. So I thought it'd be good to sort of look pre-Ireland, post-Ireland. So we got 2016 through 2004, excuse me, 2006 through 2014, rounds two, three, and four. And then we have in the next segment, we'll look at 2015 to 2004. 20. So let's start off with the uh, three from the 2006 to 2014 era. And this still was a little tough because most teams are built by second, third, fourth round draft picks. The Saints have some really good ones. You, know, you look back at that 2006 draft class altogether, 
Roman Harper, Jari Evans, both of those guys have the have the capacity here to really challenge to both be on the list. I am going to take one of them, though, out of the two. And that's going to be Jari Evans. I mean, I thought Jari, I still think Jari Evans is one of the best offensive linemen that the Saints have had on a team. <laughs> you know what I mean? In their history, uh, six time Pro Bowler, four time All Pro one-time Super Bowl champ, of course, and he also made Hall of Fame in terms of the 2010s team, the all-2010s team, so really, really good stuff for him, but Jari Evans is definitely on that list for me, and then it continues to get tough, right? Do we give guys like Jermon Bushrod, who had a couple of stints with the New Orleans Saints, right? He went away to Chicago and Miami for a little bit and came back. He had two Pro Bowls and, of course, was a Super Bowl champion as well. I don't think that he quite, quite, quite gets to the level of some of the other players around, though. You look at Carl Nix, who spent just his first four seasons with the New Orleans Saints, two-time Pro Bowler, first-time All-Pro. Kind of the same thing as Jermon Bushrod there, but didn't come back to New Orleans the way that Jermon did, right? But then you have to keep in mind some of the other offensive linemen that have also been here. And this is the thing, like a lot of these guys are offensive linemen that are really at the top of this list. So that's where I'm going to go next. I'm going to go with Teron Armstead, who was drafted at University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. In the third round, he's a three-time Pro Bowler, hasn't actually been selected to a first-team All-Pro yet, but we know that Teron Armstead, when he's healthy, particularly to like the the end of the 2020 season, he was the Saints' best player that hit the field, right? Like, he's incredible, and we know that. So I'm going to give Jim, uh, I, I know I, I could go to Jermon Bushrod, I, I could go to uh, to Carl Nix here, but I'm going to go Jari Evans at three, and then I'm going to go Teron Armstead at two. And maybe it's a little bit of recency bias there. If you disagree, that's totally fine. Let me know. Like, I'd love to talk a little bit more about it, but I think that's the way I'm going to go with it. Uh, you know, Akeem Hicks was also out here as well, but, you know, one-time Pro Bowler with New Orleans. He's very disruptive in his three and a couple of games, uh, you know, three seasons and a couple of games with the Saints before he was traded. But I just don't really put him up there at the same level in terms of his production with the New Orleans Saints as guys like Jari Evans and Teron Armstead. And then number one, I have to go with Jimmy Graham. I know that if you take into, you kind of have to ignore the the latter years of Jimmy Graham's career after a certain point at this time. But when it comes to Jimmy Graham's time in New Orleans. He look, he's a five-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro. That All-Pro came in New Orleans in 2013. Two of his Pro Bowls came with Seattle in 2016 and 2017. But he led the league in 2013, uh, 2013 with 16 touchdowns. He was nearly the first player in Saints history to have over 100 catches. He finished the 2011 season, his first real season, jumping off the uh, the page with 99 catches. He also had 1,300 yards in that season, had 1,200 yards just a couple of seasons later. I mean, he was the most unstoppable, unguardable player in the NFL while he was playing for New Orleans. And, you know, the Saints did a really good job at doing that whole thing to where you move on from a player a year early before you end up moving on from him too late and everything. And they ended up making the right decision about moving on from him and trading him. But during the time that he was in New Orleans, this guy was on pace to be a Hall of Fame tight end. And you know, look, you can still argue that he could be a Hall of Fame tight end. You compare him and uh, and and Rob Gronkowski's numbers, and you can see where he's pretty close, but you also have to take into consideration that he played many more games than Rob Gronkowski has played so far. Now, Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham both still playing in the league, of course, but you, know, you kind of have to look at Jimmy Graham in terms of what we're looking at on this list in terms of being the best Saints draft picks to his production in New Orleans. 
And there's no comparison in terms of another player that came in and immediately dominated as a pass catcher the way that uh, Jimmy Graham did. Well, except mm, there is one more. There is one more, but he's post Jeff Ireland. And so we'll talk about him and some of the other guys as we get into the Jeff Ireland era of New Orleans Saints drafts getting from 2015 and beyond as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. And as always, we want to remind you to go and check out our good friends and exclusive betting partners over at betonline.ag. It's the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And they've got you covered on just about anything that you can imagine. You want to bet on golf? Fine, go bet on golf. They've got you at betonline.ag. You want to go and bet on the NFL draft? Yep, they got you there too. You want to bet on college basketball for next season? You absolutely can do that. There's MVP odds up right now as well for the NFL. And of course, the NHL, MLB, and NBA all very much still in full swing. And if you want to bet on awards, TV shows, and reality TV, they've got you covered there too. So if you're somebody that enjoys your fantasy bachelor or fantasy bachelorette, well, now you can convert some of that knowledge into actual cash through betonline.ag. They've got all the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. They've also got you covered on all the news and scores as well. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up at betonline.ag. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, over at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. I want to remind you to go and search for the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. That's the title, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, over on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, so that you are ready for April 19th through the 26th for our incredible mock draft that we have coming out. It's our biggest, biggest event over at Locked On. And this year, it's even bigger and better than ever, including analysis from NFL experts like Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, Ross Tucker. It's going to be a blast. And of course, it's going to have all the input from all of your local experts from across the NFL and college channels, as well as well as our NFL draft, draft dudes, guys, and Peacock and Williamson. It is ridiculous, and it's going to be so much fun. So go and check it out on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Remember, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up today's episode with our final top three Thursday list. We did two of them today. We overachieved today, and I love it. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this now. Uh, So we looked at pre-2015, right? Pre-Jeff Ireland. Now we're into the Jeff Ireland era, era from 2015 and beyond. Like I mentioned, 31 of 37 players drafted still active in the NFL, and some of them still getting brand new contracts. Al-Qadim Muhammad just got a brand new deal. It was a one-year deal for $990,000, but hey, it was a brand new deal. Trey Hendrickson with a huge deal, you know, looking in the, with the, uh, the the Cincinnati Bengals now, he got a big old deal. Alex Anzalone got a new... So these guys are still moving around the NFL. So there's a lot of different players I could choose, but I'm going to go with guys that really have paid off for the New Orleans Saints up through now, right? So, uh, you know, a guy like Alex Anzalone probably wasn't really in contention in the first place, if we're being honest. His contributions were very role player. Uh, but yeah, you know, they traded to replace him in the middle of the season, right? So it's hard to really look at him as one of those guys in between rounds two, three, and four 
that really gets up there. But the one guy that stands out that I'm really excited to start this list off with is Florida State offensive lineman Rick Leonard. No, I'm just playing. I just wanted everybody to remember that Rick Leonard happened. Let's look instead over at uh, the basically a 2017 draft class, right? We can name anybody from there, but I want to make sure that we're getting some of these other players around too. So I'm going 2016, which I think is a bit of an underrated draft class. Remember, this draft class had Sheldon Rankins, Michael Thomas, Von Bell, and David Onyemata. The only real quote unquote miss on this draft was in round seven, Daniel Laskow, which first of all, was around seven selection at 237 overall, but also he had some really detrimental injuries, right? Like the guy had some really horrible uh, concussions and things like that, injuries that took place in high co- high speed collisions on uh, kickoffs and things. So, you know, we it, we forgive that, right? Because we want the guy to be healthy above anything else and be able to live his life. But you look at those other four guys, four out of those five draft selections were absolute hits. And two of them aren't with the New Orleans Saints anymore, which is probably why this draft class doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. But in terms of producing NFL players, these are four stars right now in the NFL. Let me not say stars. Let me let me calm myself down a little bit. But these are four either stars or borderline stars in the NFL that have the potential to play up to that level. So let's go ahead and start off with the list here. I'm going to start at number three with David Onyemata. David Onyemata has never been selected to a Pro Bowl. He's not been selected to an all-pro team. He's only been five. He's only played in the league for five years. He came in out of Manitoba, Canada. He came in after just starting to play uh, football just a few years before he was drafted and before he started playing college football. By all intents and purposes, this guy should not have worked out in the NFL, right? Like in terms of what we look at in terms of our raw prospect coming in from another country and yeah, coming in from another country to play in Canada and then coming in from another country from Canada to get to New Orleans. Because remember, he went to high school at the, the, the Chrisland schools in Nigeria, and then he went to college in Canada, and then uh, came to the Saints in the NFL draft, number 120 overall. But the guy has been incredible. Six and a half sacks last season. He has become the three-tech, uh, pass-rushing, penetrating defensive lineman that no one really knew that he was going to be able to become outside of maybe... Ryan Nielsen and Jeff Ireland, right? Like, like this was pro scouting, like phenomenal scouting to be able to land this guy who now is like underpaid at this point after just receiving a brand new deal. He's got 16 sacks on the season, excuse me, on on his career, 17 and a half from Sheldon Rankins, who of course dealt with some injuries and things like that. But David Onyemata has missed his time too. But he has developed into an unstoppable force at times for the New Orleans Saints. And so I, I very much put him up there in terms of uh, the top guys or amongst the top guys there. There are some other folks on the offensive line that I could have gone to here. Um, Eric McCoy, who's been phenomenal for the Saints so far. There was a guy in the secondary that I could have gone to in this list as well, like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who has just been phenomenal this year. And then another guy in the secondary that I'm actually going to pass on. And y'all know this is big for me because y'all know the love that I have, but Marcus Williams, I'm actually going to pass on on this list as well. At number two, I'm going to go with, and this is actually pretty hard to figure out two versus one here, because y'all already know the two players, but I'm trying to figure out whether I should go one of them at two, one, like who I should go. So we'll call it a 1A, 1B, but I am going to go Michael Thomas at two and then Alvin Kamara at one. And I know positional value says that you should favor wide receivers above uh, uh, above running backs. Michael Thomas is the most dominant pass catcher the Saints drafted since Jimmy Graham, right? This guy is a record holder in terms of single season receptions. 
with over 140, uh, 149 in a single season in 2019. Also led the league with 125 the season before that. He's had over, he went from being the first player in Saints history to have over 100 catches in 2018 to doing it, excuse me, 2017, to doing it three years in a row. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, and you know missed some time last year with the high ankle sprain. Missed a lot of time with the high ankle sprain last year. And there's no doubt at all that he's been absolutely incredible. I mean, over 107 yards per game in 2019. And the only reason that he has had any kind of a down year was because of that ankle sprain in 2020. The only reason why I put him down below Alvin Kamara is just because Alvin Kamara's ability to contribute to this team, no matter who is healthy around him, is absolutely remarkable, right? It, it, it's ridiculous. And that's one of the reasons why I do give a little bit of extra shine to Alvin Kamara here. And again, I know what positional value tells me. I know positional value tells me that I should value the running back below the, the wide receiver. But the other reason why I put Alvin Kamara above Michael Thomas here is because Alvin Kamara, technically, we're talking about this in the scope of the NFL draft, right? Alvin Kamara was technically drafted later, not even technically, he exactly was drafted 20 picks later than Michael Thomas the year after Michael Thomas was drafted. And they didn't have that much on Alvin Kamara or have as much on Alvin Kamara as they had in terms of the collegiate tape from Michael Thomas because Alvin Kamara was consistently stuck behind other backs, both at Alabama as well as at Tennessee. So he was stuck splitting time. And then the Saints were able to find him as a diamond and a rough. This guy who came in in his rookie season and put up over 1,500 yards from scrimmage in three out of his first four seasons. And even in the season when he was when he was hurt and he was struggling and he only found the end zone six times, he still put up over three, 1,300 yards in that 2019 season in terms of scrimmage yards. So it's just been remarkable, these two. And really, you could go either way here. And I would love to hear other people's opinions. Do you put Michael Thomas over Alvin Kamara? I'm kind of looking at draft position and Alvin Kamara's ability to affect the game, regardless of who's healthy or who's in the game around him, everything like that. That's sort of what I'm taking into consideration here. But maybe I'm wrong and you want to tell me a little bit about it. Let me know. Would you put Michael Thomas up at the top? Would you put David Onyemata up at the top? I don't know. But look, Alvin Kamara for me, uh, four straight Pro Bowls in his first four seasons. Uh, he was the rookie of the year in 2017, along with uh, first rounder of the same season in Marshawn Lattimore. And it's just hard for me to pass up on Alvin Kamara as the top guy here, the best non-first round sort of mid-round draft pick of the Jeff Ireland era. So that's where I'm going with it. Jimmy Graham wins the crown before 2015. Alvin Kamara holds the crown after 2015. Let me know what you think by hitting me up at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter or letting me know in the Locked on Saints Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. Y'all, tomorrow it is Facebook Friday, so make sure you join that Facebook group and get your questions in for tomorrow's episode as well. We won't be able to go live because I'm still kind of struggling with my energy a little bit, but we'll get all of your questions answered in tomorrow's episode for sure, as well as keep you up to date with anything going on around your New Orleans Saints. I appreciate y'all as always for listening, rating, reviewing, and helping to grow this family. We'll be back tomorrow, but for right now, you can catch me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them and trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.